official with me in the student union from the Indiana district in Fort Wayne. It is Reverend Jeff Robinson. How are you doing today, Jeff? I am doing great. How are you? I am doing fantabulous. And it is always great to talk to you. Now your title in the Indiana district, I was yeah, going to try, I, I was going to try to do it. I want to call you just a mission exec because it's two words, but it's more like five or six. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what your title is? My official title is the Executive Counselor for Outreach and Human Care. Yeah, that's why I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but in essence, many mission exec functions you take care of, you oversee kind of working with our campus ministries, right, in Indiana? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. And it was, uh, of course, great to have to have you join us and for us to, at, the, at the Witness Conference back in January. It was a wonderful event. Uh you know, I don't know if many people know this, especially those that were there. The the four pastors that preached at the various prayer offices were all our Indiana District campus pastors. I, I tried to get the Indiana folks involved as much as possible. We had you there doing a sectional. Your district president, your boss, uh, Pastor yep. Bragi, doing a sectional. And um, anyways, it was great. Uh, great, of course, to uh, be out at uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne and introduce uh, 325 young people to the Fort Wayne Seminary, most of which who hadn't been there. So uh, anyways, it was a fantastic event. One of the things that we did, um, we had a bunch of sectionals in and around topics kind of related to the uh, idea of witnessing. And uh, I asked you to give one, and you gave one. This was your suggestion on why should I be concerned about outreach if God already knows who's going to be saved. And so I thought, you know what? That's probably a pretty good topic. We'll bring you on the radio, too, and maybe share a little bit about it. So let's get off to a basic start here. How did you become interested in this topic? Well, I, I became interested in it uh, because mission has always, uh, as far as I can remember, been something that uh, has been part of my life. Um, I wasn't always a LCMS Lutheran. My parents uh, were brought into the Lutheran Church when a Lutheran missionary knocked on our door in California. Wow. And um, my parents have quickly got involved. Uh, they helped start two churches, one in Garden Grove, California, and one in Melbourne, Florida. And then the church that I was confirmed in um, had us, uh, the teenagers, going out and uh, going up and down the street knocking on doors because we initially were a mission congregation ourselves. Wow. That's great. That's an awesome story. I mean, so you have you have a you have a double reason to be passionate about this, and, and, and the mere fact that if somebody had gone knocking on doors, you know, who knows what? I mean, God may have worked it out differently. But uh, anyways, God be praised for that. So, uh, yes. let's start off with some basics. How are we saved in the first place, and do we contribute anything to our salvation? Well, I um. Uh, want to point out that uh, in Luther's small catechism, there's a great explanation of how we're saved. 
uh, it, it tells us that the Holy Spirit uh, calls us by the gospel. Um, the salvation that we have is not something that we produce ourselves. It's a gift from God. Um, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, and that happens as someone uh, expresses the word of God to us or we are brought into uh, Christian faith through holy baptism as infants. Now, we do adult, we do uh, baptize adults, but normally uh, we instruct adults in the Word, and then uh, they, they say at that point that they want to be baptized. It's still all to God's glory. It's, it's something that He does in us. And so uh, as we think about this, uh, so it's all... All the glory goes to God because he's the one, he's the main, he's the, he is the actor, but he does work through means, as you say, through, through the word, uh, not only the word of God, but the word of God in baptism. So, um, what part do others play? Obviously, uh, somebody had a big part, um, you would think in some way, or maybe that's not the best way to say it in helping to, uh, reach out to you guys to bring you to faith way back in the day. What part do, do other people play? Well, that's the amazing thing about God. I think he, he uh, uses his people as uh, instruments through which his word is proclaimed. And if you think about it, you know, if you were baptized as an infant, you really uh, should be thankful for your parents bringing you to the font. Uh, you didn't have anything to do with it. But, I, but I didn't they, do darn thing. You know, they brought you because they loved you. They loved you that much that they wanted you to have a true faith in Christ. I constantly think about that, I guess, as I get older. I have uh, 12 grandchildren, so I think about all of them. Well, you must be like 40 or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. But at any rate, um, you know, it, it is a great uh, privilege, I think, and, and a joy as well to be able to share the Word of God. So in answer to your question, God uses people to bring other people uh, his word. So like in my case, um, he used <clears throat> he used my parents. I was one who was baptized in the in the church. I don't remember anything. I don't remember being there. Um, you know, um, went to church my whole life, never thought about not going to church. Um, God works through that and God also works through, through uh, the missionaries that came knocking at your door, as well as your parents, who still, you know, had to recognize that this was a good thing that they needed to do. Right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, when you think about even uh, those uh, kids who have been confirmed in the Lutheran Church at, at the normal age, uh, which we normally think of as, you know, 12 or 13, and some sure. churches do it a little bit earlier, Who's taking them there? Who's getting those kids to, to confirmation class? Well, it's their parents in most cases. Now, of course, the pastor has his role because he's teaching the Word to them. Or it might be um, a layperson teaching a couple of the years of the class. I remember in my uh, vicarage parish out in Nebraska, I had a laywoman uh, who uh, ha had the kids. Her, her role was simply to have them memorize the catechism. And so by the time I got them, then we were talking about what have you memorized. Right. Uh, and and uh, it was a great thing. It's kind of like boot, uh, boot the data up and then figure out what it all how it all hangs together now that you, right, you've got, right, the, yeah. got the framework. But she was being used by God uh, as I was uh, to share the word. 
So it seems, uh, Jeff, that this stuff gets sticky, that this question gets sticky once we start talking about, well, that was great for me and you, uh, but what about all those, uh, you know, the classic, what about the Aborigine in Western Australia or others that didn't have these opportunities and that no one came uh, to witness uh, to them? And so it always raises the question, well, does, does God want all people to be saved anyways? I mean, what does God's word say about that? Does he wish all men to be saved or does he kind of pick some and, and, and say no to others? Um, there's a teaching that uh, scripture gives us, it's, and we, we have codified it, I guess, as theologians into what we call universal grace. And what that means is that God uh, when he says in, in Timothy, I desire all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved, that truly is his desire. And I, I should correct myself there. That That's a common way of saying it. But actually, when you look at the Greek, it's a little bit more than desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you could say that God uh, wants all people to be saved. And universal grace teaches us that God's not playing games here. That really is his want. And so uh, everybody has the potential of being saved. Um, The reason that people are not uh, brought into saving faith is because of their own stubborn resistance and sin. And I know that's a hard concept uh, somewhat to get that we give all glory to God. If we are saved, he's the one who gives us salvation. On the other hand, if you're not saved, it's all your fault. And, you know, the, the, the question is then asked, well, what about those people who have never heard? We don't have the, uh, the uh, answer to that in this sense that um, we don't know the, the secret mind of God. What we do know is what he's told us. I want everybody to be saved. And he has also then uh, shared with us First uh, Peter 2, 9 and 10, uh, that uh, we all have the calling to go out and, and proclaim about Christ. And so, so we're all sinners. God wants right. all of us to be saved, and he wants us to go and help be a means through which they can be brought into the church and to do. Yes. But that's not doing our part in their salvation, per se. That's still all God. Because people get confused on that. They always want to find, hey, what's my part and what's God's, Right. Well, the only part that we have is to be God's mouth, his hands, and his feet, so to speak. Uh, Luther talks about the hiddenness of God uh, in us, uh, and uh, uh, that's how it works. Um, God uses us as his vehicle through which um, his word goes out and his love goes out. I I like to think of us as a conduit of what God Mm -hmm. is already giving Sure. So once again, just to make sure, because we're going to move on to a couple other terms here, terminology day here in the student union, Um, the difference between universal grace and election again. Okay. Universal define it. Universal grace is the truth that God desires all people to come to the knowledge of the truth and that his grace is available for all people. Okay. Um, now, the uh, predestination simply says that we give all glory to God because he's the one who enables us to 
believe. And if, if you think about it um, in this way, maybe this illustration will help. Um, we, we, the, the problem we have, I think, in understanding this is that we like to think of ourselves as individuals who control our destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, the truth is that's not the case. Uh, and, and this little uh, illustration will help you know that, uh, by God's grace, you're here. Um, which one of us was able to say to our parents before we were ever conceived, I want you to do what is necessary so I can have a life? Did uh, any of us ever do that? Uh, wait, this is none. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. So the, so the life that we have is, is a, a gift from God, and he used the vehicle of our parents so that we are physically alive. Um, we can destroy our own life. Uh, you have the, the ability to uh, do things that will kill you early, um, and uh, God forbid, suicide is one. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's resisting what God has given you. It's, it's the stubbornness of sin. If I, if I can use that illustration that way. Well, isn't it's it kind of like, is it kind of like the rich young ruler, you know, that, uh, wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life and, and Jesus lets him walk away and he was sad. Right. I mean, God will let us walk away. He, he will not, you know, Absolutely. he's not going to, uh, to bound and gag us and throw us into the kingdom of heaven. Right, right. Universal grace is, is not equated with irresistible grace. Okay. It's not the same thing. Um, but again, back to the, the, the question of, you know, what is election? Election is where God has, he's the one who's behind the life that we have. And it's like being born physically. We do nothing for it. So also with our salvation. Didn't God's Luther didn't Luther used to say, you know, when you ask yourself the question about election, how do you know if you're one of the electable by the mere fact that you're asking the question <laughs> or something like yes. that? Yes. Um, now, is our election and predestination the same thing? Uh, yes, I, I would I would equate them as the same. Um, Let's pick one of those words then. Can we change all the theology books to just? <laughs> <laughs> It's hard enough. I only know how to do. I only have five. I can't even do five words in a title. I want. I want less words. <laughs> well, well, uh, you know, un unfortunately, even in our confessions, uh, let me read you just a quote from there. Okay. Um, um, it says, "Predestination, predestination, are the eternal election of God." So they they use it interchangeably. <sighs> Uh, as well. I know I'm not that smart. I'm just the president. I'm the chancellor of a fake, <laughs> a fake university here at LCMSU. Now, how does foreknowledge? What what is that? That's another term that well, God foreknows. God, you know, the argument goes well. God knows all things. He knows what's going to happen. Therefore, he must control it, right? He must make sure. I mean, how does that fit into this? Foreknowledge simply means that God knows all things before they happen, and and that foreknowledge is over the whole world. So it includes. Um, those who are Christian and those who are not. But that doesn't mean that just because he for, you know, if God the Father, just to, to pick on the rich young ruler since he's dead and can't do anything about it, if God foreknew that the rich young ruler, God the Father, foreknew that he would walk away from Jesus. Yes, he did know that, but he wasn't the cause of it. That's the key. Right, right, right. God foreknew that I would be baptized as an infant in St. Louis, Missouri in 1966 and that missionaries would come to 
to uh, your door um, to see your parents, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that he caused, um, I mean, God is the cause of the grace that is bestowed. Right. But he's not the cause of the rejection. In fact, yes. uh, people often ask me, why doesn't God just come back now? And I always say, well, I don't really know other than the fact that it apparently must be worthwhile for him because he's still trying to bring people into the kingdom. <laughs> and he's holding it off. Well, there, there is a scripture that talks about that where uh, in Peter we're told that God is not slow about, he's not lax about coming and returning, but he is patient so that more people will be uh, brought into Christian faith. Right. So that's the reason. You know, we tend to always look at why doesn't God do more rather than recognizing, well, look what he is doing. Look at how he is holding everything back for the sake of, for the sake of that God wills all men to be saved. So, Jeff, the big question um, we got about, I don't know, eight, nine, ten minutes here. So if God is in control of everything, you know, why should we be concerned about what he already knows who's going to be saved? He can foresee it in the future. He's already predestined and elected people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So why, why should we be concerned about it? Why doesn't he just do it? What does he need us for? Well, uh, again, um, the... I, th I think rather than looking at it as something that we have to do, it's something we get to do. And the urgency is this. We do not, we don't have foreknowledge. We don't have uh, the ability to know who's going to uh, um, respond to the word or not. We are uh, in, given the call, if you will, by God uh, to proclaim his excellencies to everyone. And so, uh, the urgency in this sense is that there are people uh, who uh, need to hear, and we have the privilege to do that and to share the word. And so um, the, the, other, the other point I would make with, with the argument that you're, that you're uh, sort of laying out here is um, predestination in Lutheran understanding has never been to exclude anyone from salvation, which is sort of what you're kind of saying in, in a sense, if God already knows, then why do I, why well, just should to I be, be clear? Concerned? I'm just kind of articulating the argument. Not, I, I'm not agreeing with that. I know, I know you don't, but, but anyhow, that, that argument is, is looking at predestination in the wrong way. Predestination is simply there uh, to comfort the person who's doubting whether or not they are saved or not. Hmm. It's never, our Lutheran uh, theologians have said, you never use it properly uh, to limit um, evangelism uh, effort or to make any person feel like um, God doesn't want them. Hmm. Um, and, and so to put it in, in um, concrete terms, when I look at my 12 grandchildren, Right. I know God wants all of them to be saved. And so it's my joy to share with them the word of God. And that's, a, and I, you know, that's a, that's not a law. I mean, sometimes law and gospel principles come into play here because so many people get screwed up. They, they view witnessing as, as God, as a law that they had, like, you know, you said it's a privilege. You, you don't have to, you know, share the gospel with your grandchildren you get to it's it's a matter of grace and I, I hope at least at our conference that we put on where we talked about witnessing for two and a half days i i hope people see the joy 
that you have in witnessing in every facet of your life to the, the hope that's in you rather than viewing it as, Oh, this is something I got to do. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great, a great blessing. Um, and you know, what, what better thing to tell someone than, than, uh, the truth of, uh, salvation in Christ Jesus, because that will last beyond the grave. And, uh, I know of nothing better uh, to share than that. Of course, we spend all of our lives uh, working towards, not all of our lives, but most of it, working with stuff that, that won't, we won't take beyond the grave. Right. And um, So shouldn't this also be a comfort? So you're a, you're a college student, whether you came to the Witness Conference or, or not, and you care about witnessing to your fellow neighbor students on campus. Um, isn't it a comfort to you in terms of witnessing to others that, you know, because a lot of people are, a lot of young people, they get afraid. Well, not just young people, everybody. That, well, what if I don't do it right? Is this all dependent upon me? What if I say the wrong things? What if I say something stupid? What if I, you know, where is there comfort for someone that's that's a little timid about it? What I would tell that person, and I say it to myself, is God's in control. You just speak what's on your heart, uh, you know, sharing God's word. He will deal with it. He will he will um, make it happen the way that it should happen. Now, of course, we, we need to be, you know, not uh, um, uh, in your face with, with what we're trying to do. But if you're lovingly trying to reach out to someone, um, don't worry about what to say. God will provide the, uh, the words, and, uh, and he will, he's the one who's acting through it. Well, evangelism, he, let me just give you this real quick illustration. Oh, evangelism sorry. is one person speaking God's word to another person who has not heard and the Holy Spirit working through the word. It's as simple as that. Well, and that not that the key here is we aren't going out alone. Right. <laughs> um, the disciples, when God, when this, when Jesus, you know, ascended and sent the whole, he sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. I mean, this would have been a disaster if it was all about the disciples, right? It'd be a disaster if it was all about us to make this happen too. But we don't go out there alone, do we? No, we don't. God is with us. Any last thoughts? We just got a couple minutes here. Any last thoughts that you'd like to, you have the, the worldwide KFUO platform to say anything you'd like to college age people about witnessing to maybe fellow students. Um, anything you'd like to share before we sign out here? Yeah, I would say um, uh, rejoice in the salvation that you have in Christ and share that not only with your fellow college students, but with your professors as well. You know, that's something we don't talk a lot about. You know, your neighbors as college students aren't just fellow students. It's not like, you know, well, I'm 52 years old. I can only witness to 50, 50 to 54-year-olds. <laughs> no, right. no, that's not the way it goes. And uh, it goes without saying that we have so many opportunities, especially in college campuses. Um, but it's twofold. We have to keep our young people in the faith and help them to continue to learn and grow um, so that they not only have salvation and appreciate the salvation that they have and grow in it and increase in their faith, but so that they do take as good advantage of those opportunities that they have, but to not to do so with fear, um, but to do so with joy. Well, Pastor Robinson, thank you for joining us today in the Student Union, and thank you for all of your support for campus ministry in the Indiana District. I will say that uh, 
You know, when I uh, look out at our 35 districts in the LCMS, um, I'm not shy about saying this. Uh, you guys support campus ministry as much as anyone, and it was very evident at the conference. It's been evident in terms of uh, uh, the number of times that you and I have had conversations about campus ministry and where we can plant new ones. And thank you for all that you do to support uh, campus ministry there in the Indiana district. Well, thank you for having me on, and it's a joy to be able to serve, and, and I definitely believe campus ministry is is a blessing to our church and something that we really need to keep uh, promoting. Well, thanks. Have a great day. All right. You too. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>